Welcome to Rad Parenting. Joseph here with you with my co-host. Anaya Bogue. Yes, we are in the den. Uh, we've had coffee. <laughs> we've the been talking, den. parenting. So many uh, emails from all of you guys. Thank you so much. I always start the show with that because we get a ton of emails. I'm we- having a hard time keeping up, honestly. Yeah. And you know what? you got to answer some of those. I- yeah, there's a couple on there that you need to answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one was like a serious question. I got one about... Uh, Someone asked me uh, about a band, mm-hmm. another band question. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of band. Joe people. takes the band questions. I take, band I take everything else. Yeah, it was like, should we practice? You know, if, am I practicing too much if I do three times a week? I was like, no. Just when you get home, be a dad and put the guitar away. So that was nice. My response. Uh, in the studio right now, our guest today. I'm really excited about it. He's a comedian. He's an actor, but he's a friend and a father and a father. Yes. You know, and a human being and a human yes. being. And and he's super super funny, Maz Jobrani. Welcome to the show, Maz. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. And and listening to your email talk there, I'll be honest with you, it's crazy because as a stand up comedian now, uh, you know we are, we're all not just stand up comedian, but if you're doing anything that you're out there, you, there's so much social media. And it's crazy. I've been going through this myself where, you know, you have Facebook, you got your Twitter, you got your Instagram, you got your regular emails. I just joined Snapchat for the first time. And it's crazy because you get all this stuff. And I always feel like answering everybody. But then at a certain point, like there's not enough hours in the day. There's not. There's it's not. a full-time job. Just that. a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Full-time job. And uh, the thing that I also realized with doing this podcast, and, and you know this from being a stand-up, traveling, touring, now your book, uh, your, I'm sorry, your book, as well as your movie, Jimmy Westwood, that opening up, you're getting it from different angles and feedback, and, and the thing that trips me out is when we started doing the podcast, I never anticipated people asking and me parenting questions. Like, I never, yeah. ever thought that, but listen, which is and, scary. And, and the fact that you're not an expert doesn't mean that they won't <laughs> ask you. They still will ask you, and the fact is, we all have our own little tricks and secrets we've picked up along the way. I was just talking to a friend of mine who uh, has one toddler, his four-year-old, and they're expecting their second kid. So I was telling him the things that were taught to me from our uh, doctor when when we had our second kid. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and the doctor said, when your daughter is born, so my son's older, my daughter's younger, mm-hmm. when your daughter is born, when uh, when your son comes into the hospital for the first time, nobody should be holding that new baby because that will cause your son to feel jealousy. The baby should be in their crib and then the and then wow. and, and make the baby feel like they're part of the of the team that's gonna be I'm, I'm sorry, the, the toddler, toddler feel mm-hmm. like they're part of the team. Uh, so you learn you pick up things along the way. Or the or the, the doctor said have uh, have a gift that you give to your older kid where the first time he sees his sister as a baby so he feels like she brought him a gift. I think we had the same doctor. Because literally when, when we when my son showed up I was I had to go to the gift shop get something get something for Chessa my daughter yeah. she, and I just like give her this stuffed animal why am I getting this oh because we have this also we but that's this, my point is yeah. even if you're not an expert you've picked up stuff yes. along the way because yes. we all know when you first have a kid it's like what you've just been thrown in the middle the of the jungle yeah. in Cambodia and you're like <laughs> what now Totally. You know? Yes. I, that, one of the reasons I have it on the show is uh, I get the chance, Anea, to open up for Moz. He's taking me to San Francisco, uh, doing shows here in Los Angeles. I actually met you on a parent show. I don't know if you remember at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, a while in, back, yeah. In Hollywood. Wait, what does that mean, a parent show? Well, they had this show. It was really cool. They had an idea. The club had an idea to um, do a show where all the comedians, uh, either mothers, we had Kira Satanovich on there, Moz was on there. I was, Just a parenting show yeah. where a lot of the comedy would be centered around having kids. 
it's, they try to do that with comedy shows where you can also pr- uh, you can also promote it in that way so that you tell people like hey it's going to be comedians talking about parenting so that ah, then you get parents coming out to that show because parents as you know it's hard when you have young kids to get out but if you knew if you if you knew it were a show about uh, with parents talking about a lot of comedy about that stuff yeah. then you, I think you go out and you laugh at the the, the situation you're and in and you get a crowd too that that also because sometimes I think people get a little nervous hey what am I getting myself into at the mm-hmm. comedy show mm-hmm. and all the comedy that night uh, was all about being parents but the thing that was cool about it too the title I always loved it, it was instead of the good the bad and the ugly it was the good the bad and the funny and all the comics up there and that's how I met Moz and then I started getting a chance to open for him and that night I remember my wife and I she's like I love this guy and he was just talking about so many different experiences at that time with your daughter and then going and doing shows with you in San Francisco and getting to open up for just the diverse audience that he has in front of him Mm -hmm. I was like I gotta have him on the show because the way that you talk about being raised with your dad and you have a great bit about like playing catch or like coming to the, going to the soccer games and, well, yeah, and just how different was, it was. Yeah, I was born in Iran, uh, grew up in America since I was six years old. We came around the time of the revolution and I just do, the, the, I've been doing some bits about how different it was being a kid when I was a kid and how it is now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father actually was very, uh, he, was a, he was a great dad. He was very... Um, generous and and just this gregarious outgoing human being but it wasn't part of our culture to really go out and play catch with your son or <laughs> kick the ball none of that stuff yeah you know it was more like hey here's 20 bucks go and do whatever you're gonna do like you know get out of here go play um so I, I, part of that comes from the guilt you feel now as a parent uh like i'll be home sometimes and i'll be going nuts with all the emails and all this stuff and it's really it's still middle of the day it's like three or three thirty or whatever and the kids are now home and I feel guilty because my son's in the back playing on his own. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I should be back there with him. Uh, and and, and I, I'm not sure if that was a, even a thought that our parents had when they were when, when we were nope. kids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. They were like, oh, they're the kids. I guess they should go play. Yes. Right? They're going to go do their thing and we're going to do ours. Yeah. And, you know, at dinner time and bedtime and then getting up for school, that's when we'll do our thing together. Yeah, like the number of, uh, number of hours or, or, or minutes, let's say even minutes, that you were supposed to see your kid and interact with them when we were kids mm-hmm. was probably less than an hour like the idea was i'll see you in the morning you know i'll drop you off yep and then i'll see you in the evening after i've come home from work i'll kiss you good night and i'll just see you again the next morning and then right. even if we go on vacation we'll go to the pool i'll be drinking you'll be in the pool <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> which by the way the drinking continues like i go to the when i go the drinking continues but now i'm in the pool drinking yeah <laughs> i swear this happened like when they were a little bit younger i was now my daughter knows how to swim but before she knew how to swim and she was much younger and my son was just learning how to swim. And so we went to Palm Springs one time. And I literally, it was a hot Palm Springs day. And my wife didn't want to get in the pool. And we had our nanny with us. And she's not getting in the pool. So I'm in the pool holding my daughter because she can't swim. Right. And, and keeping an eye on my son. And I see this, the waitress walking by with this really good looking... <laughs> icy looking margarita uh-huh. and I'm like can I get one of those and yes so then I drink that and it's you know it's flavorful I drink it can I get another one of those yes and I'm just like in the pool under the sun worried that one of these kids <laughs> might drown so I've got I've got anxiety I've got all this stuff going in with the booze and I swear to god we left we were in the pool for like a couple hours we went back to the room to change for dinner I was out. out. I was like more tired than I've ever been in my entire sun life sun and alcohol sun and alcohol, swimming and, and lifeguard kids lifeguard you were being yes. a lifeguard yeah yep. You know, when you when you say when you talk about your dad and, and you talk about him a lot in the stand up and, and I gotta ask you like 
we always say like the parenting tools that we have. I have my parenting toolbox. Uh, you you were given your parenting toolbox. Now raising your kids, the difference. You you brought up the guilt thing. I, I feel that a lot of times. I remember. I even I remember once I was talking to my therapist and and I said, <laughs> "Am I allowed to say that on the show?" We are, uh, no, I love yeah. it. We are so in Los yeah. Angeles between yeah. nannies and therapists. Yeah, uh, my nanny is my therapist. <laughs> then no. my gardener came yeah. Yeah. and I was talking to my gardener as well. <laughs> but I was talking to therapists and 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 the lady and we were having a conversation once and I was saying, "God, I always feel so guilty because, like you said, my son's doing this, I'm trying to do that." And then she straight up said, "Yeah, that's because you wanted to spend that. You wanted your parents to spend mm. that kind of time with you." Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Is that what it is? And I realized sometimes we do feel that guilt, but at the same time, we're raising our kids the way that we want to. Maybe it's different than the way our parents was. But for you, Maz, what what do you, what did you bring from growing you know growing up in in Iran and then coming here and then now with your own family? You know the differences well, in culture. Listen, listen, just for, being here. First of all, first of all, the uh, the thing you said about uh, the guilt that you feel. I think part of it also is I think that we are in a generation where. Where uh, we 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 are we are we're taught to be a little more cognizant of our kids growing up. We pay attention. We read stuff. There's research yes. everywhere you go. And so I just I have a couple of things that are in my head. I remember listening to um, an interview that Mark McGuire, the baseball player, uh, he was he I guess he's in his second marriage, and he said that when he was ma- the first time he was married, he was in the middle of his career on the Oakland A's, and he said that he was so involved with his with his career mm-hmm. that he didn't really get involved. He wasn't as, as present in his kids growing mm-hmm. up. And I, as a comedian, I'm always touring and I always feel that I miss out on a lot of stuff. And so I'm very cognizant of that. Like I get emotional sometimes when I'm not around, like my son just had his first sleepover and I was like getting emotional at the fact that he's having his first sleepover. And I'm not, I wasn't even there. I was in New York city trying to promote my film. So when I'm there, I try to really be there. Uh, I just had, again, this film, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but, but basically it's an independent film and we are self-distributing, which is like, it's, it's a major undertaking. So there's a team of us that's like maybe five or six of us doing the work of like 50 people. And so every day there's so much stuff to do for the film. And the other day my daughter had her tennis lesson. So I took my daughter to the tennis lesson and my wife was like, I got to get some stuff done. So take, take, your, take our son too. He can do his homework there. And I figured, okay, he'll do his homework. My daughter will be in her tennis lesson for an hour, and I can do some emails. Well, my son came. He's only seven, so his homework lasts like 15 minutes. So then he was done, and then he's like, Daddy, let's play tennis. And he brought some rackets. Uh, He brought my racket, too. And I was like, buddy, just can you just go get hit against the wall? I got some work to do. He's like, come on, Dad, let's do it. And And then I was like... Uh, and I was like, you know what? I have to do this. So I put down the phone and I went and hit the ball with him for 30 minutes, even though I was in my dress shirt and, you know, I wasn't dressed for it even. But I was like, I, I had to do it because I realized, A, this moment won't come up again. Mm-hmm. Totally. And B, he will remember it. If I sat there and I just was like, you go, you go. Right. Even though, even when you do all that stuff, by the way, they still will remember. You didn't do it when I would. And you go, well, listen, you know, dude, I was there that one time when I was in a dress shirt. Right. And you got remember me. That one time? Remember that one time? <laughs> so, so that's I think part of this feeling of of guilt and all this stuff because we realize that the time is limited. We realize it's going to go fast, um, and it does go fast, it goes man. Fast. My daughter, my daughter's turning fifteen. My son's going to be twelve, and it goes so fast. And 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 I I have those moments too. I think all of us do as parents. We're like, you know what? I'm going to drop in to this moment right now with my son or daughter. I'm going to make it count. 
and then I'll go back. Because your son's not going to go, Dad, remember that one email you sent? You know, we were at the tennis club, and you totally sent that. That was an awesome email. He's not going to remember no, of course, that. They don't know. Yeah, and they want, and they, and you know, they they want you now. And that's the other thing is maybe who knows in a few years I might be like, leave me alone, Dad. It will be. I yeah. promise you. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah. It will be. Yeah. Um, so I think let's can we talk a little bit about you coming? So a lot of your comedy is about really bringing levity to a very serious sort of almost. Gosh, I mean, it's just so all-encompassing. It's become such a big part of living, particularly in this country. Um, I'm hyper aware of it being born and raised in Canada and sort of seeing the American culture just with a little bit of distance. But can you talk a little bit about what it's been like, not only as an individual to be, you know, growing up um, as an Iranian person in American culture and now raising children at a time when there's just such heightened awareness and so many negative stereotypes. Well, you know, first of all, the reason I think that, that it's uh, a big issue in America is because it really, America really is a melting pot, right? Because like some countries don't have this much diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always somebody who's getting, being persecuted in the sort in every country. But America, we are faced with all this stuff. You know, I was born in Iran, grew up in America. I'm very Americanized in, in the way I see myself. But I, but I've also, I also to hold on to the Iranian culture in many ways. Um, you know, I came uh, late 78, the revolution happened in 79, uh, of revolutionary Iran, and then the hostage thing happened, I think it was, um, it was either late 79 or early 80s, and it went through 81, and it was 444 days or something like that, and I remember as a kid, when I was in the fourth grade, uh, you know, I got picked on by a sixth grader who called me an wow. effing Iranian. Wow. Um, that's what they used to do, but, but for me, I've talked to other Iranians, and they said they had it a lot worse. Like, people were getting beaten up. People were getting killed. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Even my Arab friends, you know, Arabs are different than Iranians, and there's different Arab countries in the Middle East, and there's Arab countries in – there's Arabs in, in Egypt, which is an African country. So – but but I have Arab friends who've said that they were being called, you know, Iranian back then too because like mm-hmm. it's just basically like more of the same as today, like where – one person or one group does something yeah. and then people take it out on those people. And the, and the funny thing is the, the people that, that, that get caught up in the patriotic fervor never step back to think about the fact that, you know, me as an Iranian in America or my family as an Iranian in America, we had fled the revolution. So we had la- we had fled that government. So we were against that government, right. yes. and yet they were giving you know they, they go after you. Yes. The same way now, for example, where you have uh, you know you have something happen like in France, and then San Bernardino, and then you get some right wing uh, uh, politicians calling for a ban on Syrian refugees. The Syrian refugees had nothing to do with that, and they go, well, what if like some what if mm-hmm. some terrorists like you know slide through? Well, the fact is, from what I've heard. The process of bringing refugees over is a very uh, long process. It's, it's very involved, and they really do background checks. And and the other fact is that the guy, the guy, the shooter, San Bernardino shooter, the guy was actually an American citizen, uh, you know. And then he'd married this this woman and, and brought her over here. So, you know, if anything, I think nobody thinks about you know, a lot of people get caught up in this patriotic fervor, and they don't think about the fact that. Really, the danger are people from within. And it's not just people joining terrorist organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people that are unstable in, in many ways who might be tied to, uh, you know, Islamic fundamentalism or they might be tied to Christian fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys, uh, the, 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 there's been guys who go and shoot up a, a Planned Parenthood who base it on, you know, God or whatever. Sure. You know? So 
they don't think about a lot of that stuff. So I think part of my comedy, I was a big fan of Eddie Murphy's as a kid. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a comedian. Coming from an Iranian family, a lot of immigrant families, when they come to America, they want their kids to be lawyers, doctors, engineers. They don't want their kids to be in the en- entertainment, entertainment business. Yeah. They don't even know that that's an <laughs> option. Um, I wanted to be a, a comedian. My parents kind of fought me on that. Uh, I went to uh, uh, UC Berkeley, studied political science because I thought my parents had convinced me you should be a lawyer. So I was going to be a lawyer. Then I decided I'm going to be a professor because I thought, well, that's a that's that's a good compromise because it's a, a prestigious job, mm-hmm. but I also get to be in front of people. So I got into UCLA PhD program, studied PhD again, my PhD in political science. Uh, and then I realized, you know what, you live once, you got to do what you love. So I dropped out and I started pursuing comedy in the sort. Um, and when I first started doing comedy, I was actually in my mid twenties, which was late. I was 26 years old. It's late to start comedy. Mm-hmm. But um, when I first started, I took, a, I took a stand-up comedy class, and the thing that I was taught was talk about what makes you different. So I started talking about being, growing up Iranian in America. So right out the gate already in like 98 when I started, I was talking about growing up in America as an Iranian and some of those things. Um, and then once September 11th happened, I realized that it was even more important to talk about some of those issues mm-hmm. because I saw, for example, I saw that the Bush administration used the September 11th attacks to go into Iraq, which had nothing to do right. with those terrorists. So I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of hypocrisy that we need to talk about here. And so what happened was me and a couple other Middle Eastern comedians, uh, Ahmed Ahmed and Aaron Cater, we ended up being, and, and this other one, Dino Bidella, we ended up putting together Access to Evil Comedy Tour, which then premiered on Comedy Central in 2007. And it was one of the first times you saw four guys with these backgrounds on American television. And I was saying, like, I always jokingly say, like, we weren't blowing ourselves up. We were telling jokes. Right. Uh, so it really was uh, a step in the right direction. And we got a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, we got emails from from uh, spouses of, of, of Marines saying, wow, this is great. Like, you know, I'm happy you guys are showing this side of people of the Middle East. And, and it wasn't just us being on stage, but it was our audience. The audience had a lot of people of Middle Eastern descent who were laughing. And so it was this thing of people. I mean, I, th- I think I ended up on a Sean Hannity chat room where one person wrote another guy like, I never knew these people laughed. Because uh, you don't see us laughing mm-hmm. in American film and television. So... Anyway, we just kept pushing forward. And then as you evolve as a comedian, I've been doing it now for 18 years. As you evolve as a comedian, you talk about other things. So now I do a lot of material about my kids. But I still continue to talk about the stuff that goes on. You know, you can't not talk about Donald Trump. You can't not talk about some of the, you know, it continues to happen. Another kid, another like this Iraqi kid who was probably, I think, in his mid-20s was getting on a plane from L.A., to the Bay Area, speaking on the phone with his dad, speaking Arabic on the phone. Passengers heard him. Mm-hmm. They kicked him off the plane. The kid was just talking to his dad. Yeah. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff's happening. Well, and I think what's important and really powerful about doing it through comedy is comedy disarms people. So it, this whole thing that you're saying about, you know, ignorance is dangerous. Fear is even more dangerous because we just shut our brains shut down. Whatever we do actually know, that gets shut down and we're just totally coming from a defensive place. So I think what's beautiful and really powerful about you using this in your comedy is that you're going to have people that will actually hear what is going to be valuable and and um, is going to help this sort of whole like people being more conscious about what is actually happening versus what how the media is spinning it or how narrow-minded politicians 
who have an agenda are spinning it. Yeah, you know, I keep saying, like, I was on a panel with D.L. Hughley, who's another comedian, mm-hmm. who who said that comedy is like giving people their medicine, but an orange juice, so they don't exactly. taste it. And exactly. it has been. It's been a situation where, you know, I don't know how many, I mean, I've gotten a few, I've gotten emails of people saying, like, one another guy emailed saying, you know, after September 11th, I hated all Arabs, all Muslims, all people of, the, of sure. that ilk. And he goes, seeing you guys made me change my mind, and, and I know my family still hates those people, but I'm going to like tr- explain to them that most of the people from these backgrounds are good people trying to live their lives. Yeah. Even Anthony Bourdain recently did a Parts Unknown where he went to uh, Iran and he was saying, he's like, even he who's traveled the world, he goes, I was so surprised by what I saw versus what I had expected, which mm-hmm. was, he said, they were the most hospitable people I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what he went through. So, so are your kids, so like, this? So, but this is the reality. The reality is, you know, you, but you're an adult male who, who can, you know, take things with a grain of salt and know what's coming at you. But when you're raising two children who have, uh, you know, this cultural background and it's something that we think we can identify physically as well as, you know, what we actually get to know about a person, are, have they been facing or have you had to do things to insulate them from? You know, them not yet. They're still young enough. You know, my wife's Indian. I'm Iranian. Um, you know, we both grew up in America. We're very Americanized. Both the kids were born here. Mm-hmm. So, And the school they have is a very good school where it's it's a diverse school and they, they actually uh, uh, celebrate their diversity. I mean, my son has been encouraged to go online and look at uh, how, to, how, to, how to write certain words in another language. Mm. Um, so they're really faced with that. I mean, it's funny because, you know, they identify as Iranian and as Indian, but, but probably also as American. And, mm-hmm. and they're not at the age where someone's going like, you know... Uh, hey, Seven Eleven, dude. You know they're not getting that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you know it, it's. Uh, I, I think I don't know if that. It kind of gives me a little bit of hope to see mixed marriages. Our neighbors' kids are half black, half white, and I don't. I have no idea what the stat, uh, what the uh, ratio is, or what the what sure. the statistics are. But I feel like there's more interracial marriages, and I think that brings us closer. I agree. And, you know, to that very point, and this is kind of why I'm asking about your experience with your children. So my daughter, so I'm, you know, my daughter's of mixed race. My husband is black. And um, she was, I was on Facebook couple of weeks ago and we're flipping through and she saw this this image that had been posted on Facebook and it was um, these three women in white t-shirts with red lettering that said like keep America white mm. I think those were the three things huh. and she looked at it and she said what what is this and yeah. I so I started talking to her about you know Donald Trump because it was a whole it was a thing related to Donald Trump and and she said well what what about daddy and what about me? Oh. And I thought, oh my God. So here it is. There and it so is we, right in front of you. Yeah. And yeah. so we started to talk about that. And I thought, you know, I could have I could have downplayed it or I could have, and it wasn't that I wanted to inspire great fear in her, but I thought this is how it begins. And this is going to give her a sense of how she's looked at and where she fits into the scheme of things. Yeah. And I think that we have to be aware as parents so that we can be proactive. It's not even about like having to go overboard and insulating them so much that we start, you know, helicopter parenting and, and overprotecting them. But but being aware of what they're hearing and how that's going to impact the way that they grow and they see themselves. Yeah, one of the one of the bits that uh, Maz you had in your show because uh, I I, I got to see it every night and it, and it, it's crazy because you know I've opened up for other comedians and generally you don't you know you watch the headliner set and then you see it maybe Friday night and then you're like or Thursday night and then you're like oh cool Friday I'll cut out maybe I'll catch you on Saturday mm-hmm. so I'd sit there and I'd watch you every night because I want to learn 
And but I noticed it was different stories and 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 different things. But you had this one bit that, and it kind of reflects on just different influences in the household uh, about a, a, I think a, a, a young kid that came to visit your family, and you take oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you maybe elaborate yeah. on that? Because that was such a that was a snapshot of you have your family, the way you've raised your kids and what they know. Yeah. And and then a, a young boy comes to visit you guys, and he's been raised differently. Yeah, it is interesting. So first of all, what you were just talking about, your daughter seeing that. What's interesting too is we live in this era now where they're exposed to so much it's really hard to keep them away from it mm-hmm. so my son had brought up i guess my wife had cnn on and uh w kumau bell has a new show on there called um the uh, what's it called the 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 united colors of america or something like that mm-hmm. and he goes he's a black comedian and he goes like to to ku klux klan territory and interviews ku klux klan wow. and stuff like that and i think that my son saw some of that and he was like yeah these people were you know they weren't into black people and blah 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 and i was like yeah you know there's people out there they're like that and and they've also learned about martin luther king and gandhi and that mm-hmm. stuff is really good um i was also trying to explain to him about doing what you love doing and and also be you know, t- taking care of yourself and being in a place where then you can influence then the people around you, and mm. then maybe and then if you're lucky, you can influence the world. And uh, and he was bringing up like Martin Luther King and 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 uh, and and, um, and Gandhi, but uh, but the the joke is it, it's based on truth. What happened was uh, the the movie Annie was out a couple years ago mm-hmm. with the black actress, the uh, new version, the new version. Yep. And I was taking the kids, and I took actually I took my son. My daughter, uh, my in the joke I say it was my neighbor's kid, but he didn't come. He, uh, his his cousin came, uh, as well as my nephew. So it was the four of us, and uh, and so my neighbor is half black, half white. His cousin is a white kid from Wisconsin, and you know, good kid, six years old at the time. He was six, very sweet kid. I mean, they're all sweet, like you know, mm-hmm. they're just kids. They're kids. Um, and uh, and uh, we went to go see Annie, and it was kind of funny. I did not expect this at all. So we go into the bathroom to wash our hands before the movie. We're washing our hands, and an Indian Sikh walked in with a turban on, and he washed his hands, and he walked out. And my nephew, my daughter, my son didn't even notice anything. The kid from Wisconsin, mm. he, like, lost his mind. He came up to me. He's like, that guy was ISIS. <gasps> and I go, what? He goes, that oh, no. guy with the turban was ISIS. Wow. And I was like, no, dude, that's not ISIS. I go, that guy's an Indian Sikh. I go, calm down. And he was like, he, like you could tell, like he'd been wherever, uh, back in Wisconsin, wherever he was, yep. he'd probably seen it on Fox News. Yep. And it had, it had stayed with him. And it was funny because I, 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 for the joke, for the purpose of the joke, you got to change a little bit and you, and you change the, you know, the, the punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is what happened was then we went to sit down and Annie, and we're watching Annie, and I swear to God, this Indian dude got up like a couple of times to go maybe pee or get something. <laughs> Every time he would walk by, I would look to the side. I would see the Wisconsin kid just like, you know, staring at the dude like, what is going on? Like, he was yeah. still afraid. Yeah. And I had to calm him down. I was like, it's all right, buddy. And you can't blame him because with the media portraying th- that fear and pushing yes. that on him, he, yep. you know, he's just like, wow. And I, I've never met anyone like that before yeah. and doesn't understand the difference. Uh, and sees it firsthand, and then once again, you have your kids that are like, "Yeah, I." I I'm, well, my kids you know. hadn't seen like they, you know, I try to keep them as much as I can, like away from adult news, TV stuff, because it's, it's crazy. I mean, I was I was listening. To, I tried to, uh, you know, I was in the, in the in the car with my son. Usually, when when we're in the car with the kids, I either have the radio off mm-hmm. or I'll have music on so they can play, mu- you know, listen to different songs. 
Um, I don't usually listen to NPR when they're in the car. As a matter of fact, it's funny because I, I did a tweet with them. I was like, I was like, that moment when you drop them off and you turn on NPR and you're like, yes, it's like I'm back into my own world. <laughs> so um, I was driving with my son and he was kind of tired. So I was like, oh, I'll listen to NPR while this is while he's in the back. I think he was reading a book. And it was when there was these these three guys had escaped from a prison in Orange County, and they'd like it was end of last year, and they were off somewhere in in the Bay Area. There was this big manhunt going around, and one of the guys was this I think former drug dealer who had um, he somebody owed him money, so he had taken that person out into the desert. And done something like cut their penis off and then oh, set them on goodness. fire. But oh. on NPR, they go, uh, who allegedly had cut the penis off and set them. And it's funny because my son was in the back and then he was reading a book. He's like, he cut his penis off? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Any dude at any <laughs> age no, hears no that and they're, yeah, like, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, Everything like, else stops. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, why would he do that? I'm like, no, buddy, it's a criminal, and this guy was a bad guy. Turned and, off. Yeah, we're gonna like, go oh, back. Yeah. No, it's like I didn't expect that to be in the news. You know, so you just never know yes. what's coming if you have that adult programming nearby. So I try to keep it off. My wife sometimes has a TV on. The Kardashians are on. The CNN is on. Almost so as dangerous. It's all. It's it's more dangerous. <laughs> my daughter even said, "My because my it's funny because we all have you know we, everyone had New Year's resolutions." And my my wife's was to 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 cuss less, and you know every time she cusses, the kids go, "Mommy, your New Year's resolution." And then mm-hmm. my daughter the other day she goes, "Mommy's New Year's resolution now is to cuss less and to watch less Kardashians," because <laughs> she goes, "Because nice. they say bad words." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, buddy, I know." Um, so I am wondering because now that I'm getting to know you, and I'm I'm. Obviously, politics occupy a lot of space in, in your in your brain as part of your educational background. So as you look ahead, so they're a little young now, but as you look ahead to being a, a parent for whom politics ha- occupies a lot of space, how do you imagine raising your kids so that they will be um, thoughtful but in their own right, like figuring it out on their own? Yeah, or, I think, or not. Listen, maybe you no, have another I think, agenda. I think a big a big part of it is it's before politics. It's like it's like I want to teach them sympathy. I want to teach mm. them uh, um, uh, um, uh, to be uh, you know altruism if I can. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, uh, Joe knows the owner of the Laugh Factory, Jamie Masada, who's a sweetheart of a guy. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, he feeds the homeless and others who might not be able to afford a meal at, at, mm-hmm. at uh, you know at, at holiday at the holiday time. Mm-hmm. So I take the kids down to help out and experience that. Um, I talk to them a lot about appreciating what they have. Um, I had when I was a kid, my grandmother. Because I always say, you know, I was born in Iran, which is a Muslim country, but my family we weren't really that religious. And I and I say like the like the the person like the the closest person to me that was semi religious but more superstitious really was mm. my grandmother, mm-hmm. who would say things like, you know, if you when you're getting a car, like you know, say a couple of prayers, and if there's a car accident, nothing will happen to you. And I'm right. like, I don't know if that's how it works, you know. Or, or she used to gamble. She'd be like, whenever I go to the casino, couple of prayers, have a good, you know. I'm <laughs> Win some money. I'm like, all right. So um, I love it that that those prayers are answered at the casino. Yeah, yeah. If I'm at Commerce yeah. Casino, wherever yeah. you are, I'm in Vegas. It's gonna be answered. Yeah. So, <laughs> she, so she taught me when I was a kid. She said, if you see somebody 
that is less privileged than you, you know, say these prayers, like, like you know, if you see someone in a wheelchair or someone who's blind or someone who's poor. So as a kid in, in, in the streets of Tehran, again, I left when I was six, so I must have been four or five. I would see somebody and I'd be like, you know, look up in the sky. Thank you, God, for giving me what you give me. Thank you, God, for giving me. Like, you had to do like seven times. And that was like the thing. She said, that's what you guys so That's I the magic. It. That was the magic. And I just kept, would keep doing it. And, and it's amazing because to this day, I still, when I see somebody less privileged, I still, you know, uh, uh, am thankful for it. And I try and be sympathetic about it. Mm-hmm. So I've taught my kids now to do that. So my son recently, I forget what it was. We were driving and there was somebody, maybe they were in a wheelchair or some sort of like crutches or something. And like, he's like, daddy, look, I, I think it was a, I forget what his thing, maybe it was a homeless guy. He's like, daddy, look. And I was like, oh buddy. Yeah. You know, like, you know, uh, you know, I feel bad. And he's like, and he goes, I appreciate what I have. And I was like, that's good to nice. know. So really it starts from there. Right. And that's why my politics are the way they I are. I was going to say that is so connected to politics. Yeah, I'm very liberal in what, in, in mm-hmm. the way I am. So when a politician like Trump or Cruz comes out and says, let's keep the immigrant, the, the refugees out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I go, hey, man, we are a big reason, a, a c- big cause of the mess. And these people, you know, if you guys are claiming to be Christians and good Christians, mm-hmm. well, Christianity says accept these people. You know, we should open our doors and help these mm-hmm. people. And you see the pictures and you hear the stories and these people really need the help. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind of like, let's take away from military spending and give towards these people and our education system and all this stuff. Right. I'm very much against um, continuing to create weapons that will harm people. And, 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 and I just, I, I still, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't understand the obsession with our spending for the military and for our destruction. spending for destruction and guns and like, and how, how un-American people consider you. If you actually say that, they go, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. God damn it. We need to, be, mm-hmm. we have to, we need to defend ourselves. Well, we have this, we have a military that could like destroy the world. I don't know, a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. Like, do we really need more? And, 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 and. And I understand defending ourselves. Uh, there was a great, there was a great documentary I saw. It was called "Why We Fight," and it was, uh, it was this documentary uh, with uh, Eisenhower warning us about the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And we really are in this situation now, where we have these weapons that we make. Uh, the weapons manufacturers have major influence, uh, and we have these weapons sitting there. And we go, well, we've got the weapon. We should either sell it to a country that can use it, or we should use it. Mm-hmm. And that gives you cause to go to war and continue to go to war and continue to to destroy and so my politics come from a place of i think sympathy my politics come from a place of like being i really am not uh nationalistic you know mm-hmm. when people say i'm proud to be american i'm proud to be iranian mm-hmm. yes there is some pride in that but i also see the faults in those countries i see the faults in mm-hmm. our background so i just try to say you know just teach them sympathy as much as i can and then let them figure out the the rest from there Right. Yeah, the thing I noticed too at your show is that as much as it's a comedy show and you're up there for an hour and you're making people laugh, you really do leave with a different sense and a different look at what it might be like uh, being from Iran and being, you know, here in America and just the differences between the different cultures. Do you ever have you ever been out on the road, Moz, and and maybe performing in different cities where there's there there's you, after a show someone's not feeling getting the jokes like the the people out there is there ever any pushback at all because i could imagine right now i mean you're you what you're talking about on stage and the jokes that you're doing you know those are hot topics with mm-hmm. a lot of people and as as anea brought up you, you know you're definitely going into that zone that a lot of comics wouldn't go into you know they don't they don't want to 
throw up those topics that are, I guess, hot topics. Yeah, know? well, you know, first of all, I think you talk about whatever interests you. So if you're somebody who's, you know, single and dating, you're going to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, uh, like that, again, that's why a lot of my material does deal with kids and stuff now because they're in my life that's all the reality. time. And yeah, and, and, and so they're young and I'm running into stuff and there's always new material on that. That said, I continue to be interested in a, a lot of the political stuff. Um, and for the most part, I'm lucky that I've got a fan base that comes out to my shows. So they kind of know where I'm from and mentally, you know, and, and so they will either be, you know, it's, it tends to be like people with either a Middle Eastern background or liberal people that aren't of Middle Eastern background. They know background. what they're getting into. Before they kind of know what they're getting yep. into. That said, you know, you, you do end up sometimes with like, oh, a bachelor party showed up or a bachelorette party showed up or whatever it is. Or you end up at a show, let's say. At the in, in LA, I'm saying uh, Comedy Store Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, you do end up with shows like that. And there's been times like you know, I was at a show uh, recently at the Laugh Factory. It was kind of a, I don't know if it was a Wednesday night or something, and I'm doing my act. And I saw there was like actually there were there were these Canadians who must have been more conservative, which mm-hmm. I'm you know, the, the, I, I guess they were kind of in a booth in the back, and and it was and it was a light night anyway. So and, and and so a lot of times when people have been there for a couple hours, they'll get up and leave anyway. But I saw this guy. Who I think they were kind of drunk anyway, but they they got up and they left kind of middle of my act, and then afterwards when I was in, outside, the door the door guy there was like he's like oh yeah man that guy walked out he was like and he was like man I don't I don't like that last comedian you know I I don't like politics you know why are they talking about politics and I could tell usually when people <laughs> say that there's somebody who's conservative that yeah. doesn't want to hear any of it. Uh, and I always go, uh, I, I mean, I can't please everybody, so what am I going to do? And also, by the way, there's comedy in politics. Because some people go, some people do say they don't want any politics in their comedy. Right. And I'm like, well, geez, like, let's just, let's just uh, ignore real life then. You <laughs> yeah, know, that's yeah, part of real life. I agree. But it's, it's sort of like, let's keep it vanilla. Let's yeah. make sure everything is just, you know, yummy or easy or, you know, not going to push any buttons so that everybody's just, you know, content. Yeah, and, th- and that also means that, that certain politics are okay. Like, you can make fun of, like, you know, you can do jokes about, you know, uh, these Arabs and these Muslims, you know, like, this guy was like, you know, whatever. Like, they're all trying to blow us up, but we, right. we should go over there and we should take our, you know, I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard comedians say things like, you know, we should get, you know, Suge Knight and a couple gangsters would go over there and we should kick their ass. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. But as soon as you sit there and you turn around and you go, you know, hey, you know, our government uh, went into Iraq for, uh, you know, kind of uh, bamboozled us. They go, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Why are you, why are you criticizing the government? You're not a patriot. And I go, actually, yeah. patriotism is criticizing the government. That's yes. the beauty of this government. Yes. That's why is an, as being born in Iran and being able to look at what's in Iran right now and all the lack of freedoms. Because a lot of times when you bring it up, people go, why don't you just go back to Iran where you can where you can't express yourself i go that's the whole reason i'm here it's because <laughs> i can't left. express myself i love this country and i'm staying and i can't and, and we should criticize so question right now maz right there where you're saying all of that the the kind of conversation you're having right now uh at your house your family you know friends over we're hanging out we're having a few beers those these type of conversations are you having them in front of your kids are they growing um, up with dad talking no, about I don't, this stuff? I don't, you know, I, I talk about if it's if it's if it's an issue if if it comes up. I mean, that's not always. Like, I'll be honest with you. Right now, <laughs> I do a joke now where I go, "The world is so different." Like, I, a different. I go, "When I was a kid, we used to have to play with the kids of our of my parent of our parents' friends. Now I got to play with the parents of my kids' friends." So <laughs> really, at our house, usually it's other parents, and the conversations tend to be around parenting yeah. and our kids. And then maybe we get into like, "What are you doing these days?" And somebody maybe is I don't know a money man manager or whatever and we get into stocks or something Mm -hmm. you know i don't have any friends that are frontline politicians uh, so we don't really get into i mean obviously trump will come up from time to time uh sometimes you're a little wary if it's like the kids 
if it's the friends, if the parents of the kids' friends, like you don't want to get into a debate with them about got it. Like one of mm-hmm. my closest friends actually uh, is Republican, and we got into a d- discussion about politics and the stuff. And he's more fiscal Republican, mm-hmm. but the problem becomes th- a lot of fiscal Republicans now are so anti-Hillary that they are voting for Trump. And so I'm sitting there in a conversation with him and trying to go, hey, man, like, don't you see all the other baggage that comes with it? And mm-hmm. then he kind of is coming back going like, well, don't you see the state that we're in right now because of Barack? And in my opinion, I love Barack. I think he's done great. So w- I'm always like, dude, I don't mind. I mean, the fact is, you know, taxes for people of a higher income did go up under Barack. So I sit there and I go, I'm not happy about paying the extra taxes, but if, but, but I feel like we've, there's been so much good that's been done that I'm willing to, but you're you willing know, to pay the extra I'm pay, yeah. I'm willing to pay yeah. the extra taxes. So, yeah. so, you know, when those, sometimes when those conversations get come up and it, and it just gets exhausting, I just go, ugh. And I, and I, and I also don't necessarily have it around my kids, you know, but it's not that I would stop, you know, it, it just depends. depends, aware, depends. Well, we're always aware as parents of what we're speaking about. If, yeah. we're on, in adult, if it's adult content, is it appropriate or inappropriate over their heads, you know, whatever. Exactly. Um, what about with all the traveling that you do with your career, how we, we keep asking our guests that have these like crazy careers, how do you manage? How do you do the balance? How do you do the balance? You know, you how said, do you manage to yeah, be a missing, present parent yeah. and be, you know, you're uh, managing yourself as an individual. Well, and, I try and, as, and also on top of doing it on your own, you know, like when, with the movie that just came right. out and we're going to go into that in a second, but the movie that came out, you know, he's, he's, Moz is no different than here at Side One Dummy. He's his distributor. He's the writer. He's in the thing. He's out there promoting it. So right. it's it's different than dad goes away and then cruises back in. It's like your mind has to be in that that mindset all the time of two, three months ahead. Listen, I try to be as, as present as I can when I'm back. So mm-hmm. even like my wife, you know, my wife doesn't work right now, but I but I but I know like our kids are seven and five. So I know how hard it is to hang out with a seven and five year old <laughs> for a long time Seriously. every day. And she wakes up in the morning, gets her food ready, gets her lunch ready, drops them off, has a few hours to go and uh, actually she's got a couple of projects she's working on. So she goes, gets you know, works on the project, gets her workout in, then has to pick them up, then take them to the class and blah blah. So I know what she's been going through. So when I come back from the road i'm always like let me take over i'll do it blah 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 now sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't because sometimes what will happen is i will i will book the earliest flight back on a sunday and i've been gigging all weekend and by the time i fall asleep on saturday yeah yeah, and and like sometimes when i come back from saturday like when i come home on a sunday i actually like being uh, on the east coast because i'll get a five-hour flight that i can sleep on right whereas if it's like a one-hour flight i'm like oh i'm useless like what was yeah. the point so she actually said a couple times she's like why don't you just come back on a later flight and and sleep in um but i try to be as hands-on as i can uh when i'm home mm-hmm. um you know i i sometimes you know because whenever you get emails and you get texts and you get tweets and all this stuff you feel like you have to answer them right away mm-hmm. but sometimes when i put it away uh, even last night, for example, my daughter's been taking piano lessons, so I'm renting this piano. And sometimes, just if for no, if no for no other reason, I'm like, this thing's going to waste if she doesn't practice this. So last night, I, I was like, let me just sit down with you and let's go over it. And she started, and and it was we had this amazing light bulb moment because she was at first doing the doing the the scales, and she was kind of bored with it. And then she was doing this book, and she was kind of bored with it. And she's like, ah, I'm done. And then her teacher just taught her. Um, um, uh, let it be, mm. but but oh, just great. but not the chords, but just to play the note with the chords, and so I put it on my phone, and she started doing it, and then the next thing I know, it clicks in. She's only five; it clicks in, and she's really doing it, and nice. she keeps doing it. And then I was like, and then I had to do a, a Skype call, 
And I was like, uh, I go, I'm going to go do this. And she just stayed there and she just kept doing her thing. And I was like, oh, wow, what a great thing that just happened. Because I spent 10 minutes yep. to get her to this point. And now she's taken out, taken. And then afterwards, uh, my wife, we were all like, we're so proud of you. That was, I mean, she was like, so she was glowing. She was like, even my son, the seven-year-old came over and sat next to her. He's like, I'm proud of you. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> so it was a great moment. So I try as much as I can to be present and active and and uh, I mean, I like for example, I love sleeping in the mornings, but I still get up at whatever it is seven fifteen, seven twenty to get my daughter dressed, and I help get them out of the house, and um, that's how I do it. I, th- I, th- I think being, you know, it's the it's the quality of it, not the quantity of it. Um, I love going to my son's soccer games whenever I can, um, and I also try to make it so that when I'm touring. If I can, I try to leave like on a leave as late as I can go and come back as early as I can go. Um, sometimes, like recently, I had to go do tours in Europe, so I was gone for like two, three weeks. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but but for the most part, I will work around getting you know seeing them as much as I can. Or for example, I'm, I have shows in New York. I'm taking them with me. Uh, I have shows in Australia. I'm going to take them with me because right. over the summer I intentionally scheduled the Australian shows to during fall their break. during their break. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're all going to Australia together. So as much as I can, I do that stuff. Um, and really, I was talking to somebody else about this. If somebody were to say to me, listen, um, we're going to give you a grant for the next couple of years, and you can do whatever you want. You could add it to the amount of money you have coming in and can, and make more money, or you can do whatever you want. I would say, you know what I'll do? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that grant, uh, and I will stay in town and I will gig at the comedy clubs in town. I love gigging. I love getting on stage, mm-hmm. but I love getting on stage. You know, I I usually go like four nights a week. I'll do both comedy store and laugh factory, so that's eight spots. Sometimes if I get, if I get tired, I'll cut it back a little bit. But that's the, that that's that allows me to have the creativity. That allows me to have like one day night with my wife, uh, and then the and then the throughout the days be home. Like I would do that if I could right. in a blink of an eye. You know. Tell me for you, what is the most difficult thing about being a parent? So most like all the other stuff, like the circumstances and the fact that you have this you know crazy career. But that aside, what have you discovered for you is for yourself is the most challenging part of parenting. Well, you know, I'm learning more and more. Like I give advice that I got to take myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was talking to this guy who was a, a single dude, and we, we were uh, he works at Google, and I, I told he said come take a visit. So we went with the kids and everybody, and I was trying to explain to him. I go, if you put adult expectations on a kid, you're going to be disappointed. And I find myself sometimes getting frustrated with certain things that they do. For example, even just yesterday, when I went to pick up my son from his uh, tennis thing, uh, he shows up and he's got like his racket in one hand, the bag in the other hand, and he doesn't have his bottle of water. And I'm like, hey, buddy, where's your water? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he goes to get the water and the cord is at the end of, uh, on the other side. And I spend like a minute or so, or a le- le- little less than a minute, talking to a friend of mine there. And then I turn around and I start walking towards him and I look down. He's not even close to the court. He has been distracted because that's what happens when they go from point A to point B. It's like yeah. a, I said, I said they're like, they take so many detours. I said they're like a human pinball. They just start going like this. And, as an, and, 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 I, and I have things to do back at the house. So now it's getting like my blood starting to boil. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, wait a minute. He's a kid. And they see a butterfly and they chase it. So I could just try Twirl. to relax. That's the hardest part is to remind yourself yeah. to relax. Or for example, I was talking to this other mom who she said her husband is kind of a messy dude. And I go, so does he get does he get bothered by the mess the kids leave? And she goes, no, he doesn't even notice it. And I go, I, on the other hand, 
I walk with my head down a lot and I'm seeing stuff on the ground. So I said, if you want to remain sane as somebody, and I'm not like super clean, but I'm relatively clean. Uh-huh. So if you want to remain sane as somebody who's got those issues, yeah. you kind of got to walk around the house with your head up because the chances <laughs> are you're not going to see all the Legos and all the other crap on the ground. So it's things like that, reminding yeah. myself that they're kids, reminding myself to, to be in their world as opposed to as opposed to expecting them to be in my world. And that's such a great point that you make because as we grow up, we stop chasing the butterfly and you're just like, I will get water, I run back and then you're just 100% not focused on anything except getting the tasks done that you've been asked because, to do. Because part of that is because of, of, of what you do. Like I'm lucky that I, I'm passionate about what I do but, but, but with the success and whatever comes, more and more comes. Like the movie, like you've been talking about, yeah. like, like this movie. So I co-wrote it, I co-produced it, I star in it. Uh, that was in itself like working on it was 18 days we did we did three it's an independent film we raised the funds so we did three six day weeks uh, in Los Angeles uh, so 18 days in LA and I started it so I'm in every scene I co-wrote it so I had to be there anyway Mm -hmm. I'm producing it and what would happen is I'd wake up at whatever it was, like five in the morning to be at the, be at, be at, the, uh, at the location. We would film all day. I'd come home at like six or seven, you know, uh, and, then, and then the next day I have to shoot again. And, I, and I'm thinking about the next scene and I'm thinking about the scenes we shot and there's other stuff going on. So as much as I want to be present and with my kids, I also want to get them into the shower, to, br- teeth brushed, read the, the book, bed, yeah. kiss them. Good night, so I can get back to mm-hmm. what I got to concentrate on. But again, you got to just remind. And, and then, oh, by the way, it doesn't end because then the movie now was self distributing. So it's like more like this has been the hardest ever worked. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Joe knows. Like I was in New York <laughs> for the opening, doing Q and As, and 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 doing interviews, and 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 being present and taking pictures. So setting up the places to show the film. Yeah, right. there's like a lot we were going in San on. Francisco having to like, all right, this is where we're going to show in San Francisco for these days. And I would think that you, with this the weekend. age that your kids are at, they're conscious of when you're there or, the, or you're not, and yet they don't necessarily fully have the capacity that you could sit down like you would with a 10-year-old and say, here's what's going on with daddy. And yeah. using it as a teachable moment to be modeling, you know, being passionate about your work and giving it your all for periods of time when you need to do that. Well, they have that. They still have that thing where, I mean, my daughter used to be the only one who did it. Now my son does it too, where they will walk up to you if you're on the phone or on the computer or in a conversation mm-hmm. and they would just start their conversation like, yep. daddy, so the thing that happened was, and I'm like, buddy, I'm in the middle of a conversation uh-huh. right now and I'm trying to really teach them to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I said, like if it's a computer thing, if I'm on the emails, I'm trying to like be like, all right, let me just get away from this. If nothing else, even spend like five minutes cuddling and kissing and then sure. going like, all right, now daddy's got to do yep. some more of this, go read a book or whatever it is, you know? Dropping in to the parent, being the parent, and then also giving them the heads up. That's the thing that always worked for me is if you if you let them know, hey, I, I'm here right now to do this, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to step away and work. Because I also feel it's important for kids to know that mom and dad have to work and have other things going on besides you're the center of everything for me right now. Yes. Because we also live in a world now where it's a lot more mobile. It, like, it used to be you had to go into the office, be there to whatever hour, and then you yeah. come home. But now... You know, you're all over the place. Your phone's with you. Yes. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I'm on the phone I, throughout the day. I'm, I'm answering emails. I'm tweeting. 
and and I'm trying my. I, I really want to get to a point where I like I wake up in the morning and do something else before I check my phone. Mm -hmm. But it's it's become impossible really recently. It's really tough because also I use it as an alarm. So maybe if I if we get a real alarm and just put this stupid thing yeah. in another room, yeah, like cannot may... look at it until at least thirty minutes after. Yeah, you've but been at away. this point though, right now you're in the middle of a project. You, that's not realistic. Yeah, it you is, know, when it you're is, in the yeah. you know you 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 got to see this whole thing through. You got to see the whole film through that whole that whole prog and that that moment in time and then that's when you go okay i can put the phone yeah. away because yeah. it, it really is that balancing act uh and 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 as we've talked to musicians on the show uh and and, and different people in different careers it, it's finding that it's finding that moment and 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 anaya said it in one of our shows the sweet spot yeah. of just finding that and and being being that parent that's present but also able to continue moving forward in whatever work that they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. That's the tough thing. That's yeah. the tough thing. I know a lot of listeners right now, you know, and, and for the people listening, you know, we're talking about movies and, and comedy, but, you know, any job that you have, if, whether you're yeah. selling insurance, whether you're working at the store, driving the truck, trying to sell something, it, you everyone knows uh, it, it, as you're just trying to put food on the table. Yeah. And, it's, and the thing is, is that, and I've realized this, is that a lot of times... I, the, the, the thing with me is I'm there physically for my kids and I am getting them into the shower and I am getting the meal ready and I'm having the conversation with them. But, but the thing I've had to work on is mentally stopping being for a there. second and being there and not thinking in my head, oh, yeah, I'm going to San Francisco with Moz tomorrow. I got to still pack my bag. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, I got to follow up with everything that's going on with AJJ at work. Oh, we're doing a rad parenting. And, you know, you can. Because they feel that. Absolutely. And I think we underestimate. Like they, they know when we're fully present and we've talked about this a lot in the balancing act that any parent plays I think we do our children a disservice when we don't remember that we're modeling for them and so we want them to one day be individuals who both have a passion they're pursuing and be parents not just one or the other and by becoming conscious of us doing that ourselves we will pass that on to them there's also you know again we are all so uh, um we're almost victims of technology and that people even, even the idea of people going like, oh, I'm, I'm going to videotape you right now with my kid mm. and let me put this on Facebook. Mm. Well, that just took you away from your kid. It's like, I know, you know, if you're going to videotape it, whatever, yes. do it, but get it, but stick with the kid. Totally. You know, it's totally. it's so much. And then they stick That's it so and then, then they put it on and now you're with your kid, but now you're like, oh, look at this. How auntie. many likes I'm getting? Yeah, look at the likes. Look at the auntie. <laughs> and then like if you that. don't get the likes, you're like, hey. Nobody likes um, my kid. No Let's do this again. We need on. another take. <laughs> come on. Hey, I, I got to ask you this, Moz, before you split. Uh, do you, do your kids come and see you do comedy ever? Yeah, they've come to my. They love coming to my shows. They actually like. I've brought them on stage before. <laughs> now, now they've gotten used to. It. So if we do a big show and they're there, they'll they'll be like, "Can we they're come on stage?" It, yeah. They're five it. at the top of the show. Hey, Dude, it was get, great. Yeah. No, it was great. We just I just did the Kennedy Center, which was huge for me, and it was this big show. And they both came. Then they were like, "Are we coming on after?" And I was like, "Hey, yeah, definitely be there." <laughs> and I had this band that opened, and then the band was going to close at the end, and I was going to like like do background singing with the with, with the band. And it was the coolest thing because they came out and they had like a tambourine and my and the, there's videos of my daughter jumping up and down on stage and my son playing the tambourine and just having a great time. So great. And I'm so proud of that. And the, and it was the funny thing is though also trying to be a good parent, but like I was hosting um, the Just for Last Festival in Montreal with a bunch of other comedians and my comedy is relatively clean. But then the other comedians were like dropping F-bombs and all this stuff. And my son's in the audience just watching and I was like, eh. What are you gonna do? You know, it's it's part of life. I yeah. love the it photo. Is. I love the photo that you showed. Uh, I think it's your son 
and uh, I think you're at the White House, and he's and he. There's this photo. Is is the this, one of him with his head in the in the couch? Is that yeah, he's everywhere. There's this great photo of Moz. Where are you at in this photo? You're, which one are you on? Which one? Which the one, one where he's standing on his head. It's like this great group photo of them. It's very like prestigious photo. Is when oh he no, 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 you're talking. No, you're talking about the one with the where, where your son's standing on his head in the in no, the, the one that's next to him. So there was a funny photo <laughs> that that somebody got because my daughter loves dancing and all this stuff. So there was there was a Persian New Year event at the White House recently. Go. I performed and then I introduced Michelle. Obama, which was amazing, and we're 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 in the, in the side room at the White House, and the, there's these traditional dancers that are seated in a semicircle, and my daughter is on one of their laps, smiling, beaming, having a great time, and behind them you see this like uh, chair at the White House with these legs coming out of it. My son is doing like a headstand at the White. I'm like, he has no chair. idea. You don't even see the bo- you just see that, legs coming out. I hope you have it like printed in, in a, a frame. Photo. That's so awesome. It's okay, I photo. have to ask one last yeah, question before we let go. him go. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you aware, um, do you or do you not feel like you parent differently with your son versus your daughter? I try. I'm not aware if I parent differently with my son and daughter. I try to be pretty uh um even across the board i mean you know when it comes to like activities and sports i try to be there as much i mean like like for example like i i haven't taken my daughter to her dance classes as much because i think they they're kind of earlier but but if i've had to take them to, to take her to the gymnastics i'll take her to the gymnastics i love watching my son play soccer my daughter has wanted to play soccer but i'm not sure if she's into it yet uh, I'm all for signing them up for more stuff, but they also are like over. Like I'll watch her play her tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if I would if Do I was the same expectations, the same language, the same. For the most part, I try to be even with both of them. I expect them to be good people. I like I talk to them about like you know uh, not being litter bugs. I talk to them about conserving water. Get out of the shower. Let's go, buddy. Come on. You know, um, how about your daughter? Like the sense of your daughter being able to create her own path in the same because we sort of do it by default with boys because our programming is such that like this is what boys do and yeah. we tend to 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 I think sometimes subconsciously go oh but you know my daughter will kind of be along for the ride as opposed to no, making her own I path. Encourage, solving no, her own I encourage her to find. I encourage all of them, like my my son, my daughter, as well as my nephew. I encourage them to find what they love doing. So my daughter is pretty, she's pretty good with like art. Like she'll focus on the art. She mm-hmm. loves music. So I'm always, I'm telling her, Hey, you know, do it, get into it. If that's what you love doing, then go for it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I try, I don't think I, I'm pretty even Great. with both of them. Yeah. yeah. Great. I'm not yeah. really surprised. Yeah. Well, like thank you. Cautious thank dad. You. Yeah. Maz, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Yeah. Thank thanks, you so guys. much. So in case anyone's listening, they want to see the movie, we're, we're an independent film. So we're you got to say going, the name of the movie. Yeah. Jimmy Westwood, American hero. That's like the word Westwood, but with V's. Uh, Westwood. And the reason is because <laughs> Iranians can't say their W's and the guy lives in Westwood. So he says, I live in Westwood. I just, Describe it as the Persian Pink Panther meets Borat. Love it's it. It's a silly comedy, very Austin Powersy, very Pink Panthery. Uh, I think people will like it. It's, it's I recommend it for thirteen and older because mm-hmm. there's some adult content in there. But people can go to JimmyVestwood.com to see if it's in their city because we're going kind of city by city, uh, and we've done well so far in LA, New York, uh, Toronto, and DC. And depending on how we do, I, I say we're kind of like a month-to-month renter. Yeah. Like depending on how we do, they renew us. So sure. we, they've renewed us for three weeks already. We got like ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So hopefully people will check it out. JimmyVestvood.com. If nothing else, they should see the trailer, and if they like it, go see it check in it the out. theaters. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much, Mastro Brani. Awesome show. Finally got him in here. We had been talking about it, made it happen. Love it. 
Uh, I want to thank everyone once again for all of the emails. Keep them coming at uh, radparenting at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, and we got more shows coming up, more parenting all ahead of us. I got to thank Anea and Maz. We're out of here. My name is Joe Sib. You ready? Late. Late.